0: Welcome to Coffee Break with Sharp Best Health. Every week, we sip on a strong new blend of practical tips, information, and education to help you optimize your health, body, and mind. Your hosts are Janice, Emily, Megan, and Olga. Your break starts now.
1: Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to a Coffee Break with Sharp Best Health. This is emily Myhouse, and today i am joined by megan sperling and we are going to be talking all about sleep so this is a topic that is really near and dear to both of us largely in part due to our own journeys with sleep like most aspects of health and wellness a good relationship to sleep is not really a one-size-fits-all discovering our individual formula is the key to healthy sleep so today we're going to talk about common barriers to good sleep healthy sleep habits, and of course, some practical tips that you can start using right away. We do want to encourage you, though, if you have noticed sleep issues that are more chronic um, or some of the recommendations that we're going to be talking about today haven't really helped you, we want to talk to our doctors about things like that. So with that said, let's dive in. All right, so let's talk about sleep and our physical health, right? Because a lot of times when we think about wellness, um, we don't necessarily make that that connection right away that sleep really impacts our our physical health and our emotional health so is sleep important to our physical health well, i think no we all, no <laughs> that's why we're, we're not gonna talk about it it's just it's, it's fine it doesn't impact us at all
0: <laughs> exactly sorry i had to chime in there emily
1: <laughs> podcast over um <laughs> No, it's interesting when you really start to dive into some of the correlations between sleep and our brain health. um, So sleep really is helps us to make decisions. It helps us to solve problems. It controls our emotions and and our behaviors, coping with change. It helps us to pay attention, make decisions and be creative. And I don't know about you, but I've noticed several of those that are especially pertinent to our current moment. Um, and so there's definitely a really strong tie between sleep and our emotional well being. I think, you know, when you think about it on a, on a personal level, when we don't get the amount of sleep that we usually get, uh, it's, a, it's a little bit harder to function the next day. We might not feel, you know, completely like ourselves. Um, in terms of our physical health, though, there's also a, a role that sleep plays. So some of the some of the examples of um, sleep in your physical health is sleep is essential for a healthy heart. So if you don't get enough sleep, you are at higher risk for cardiovascular disease um, and coronary heart disease. And then that's really regardless of your age and your weight and your exercise habits. Another thing, and I'm sure we've all noticed this at <laughs> 3 a.m. and we're running downstairs for a bowl of cereal, is that sleep deprivation can trick us into thinking, or th- thinking that we are hungrier than we actually are, so um, sleep actually helps to maintain a balance of the hormones that make you feel hungry or full, and so when you're not getting enough sleep, um, your level of feeling hungry, uh, the hormone that makes you feel hungry goes up and then your level, hormone level that makes you feel full goes down. it also can affect how your body responds to insulin. So insulin, I'm sure you all are familiar, but it's the hormone that controls your blood glucose, your sugar level. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when you aren't sleeping, your blood sugar can actually go up, which is um, interesting, especially if you, uh, um, you know, you have diabetes or you're at risk for diabetes. Um, and then it can also help you fight infections. So if you aren't getting enough sleep, of course, then your immune system may not be able to respond as efficiently as it as it would if you were getting enough sleep. Um, and then also we wanna talk about just briefly about the connection between safety and sleep. So when you aren't getting enough sleep, you can have slower reaction times. Um, it can lead to microsleeps, which is um, a brief moment of sleep. It usually lasts between in one and ten seconds. So, I think we can all sort of fill in the blank there. What would happen if we had a microsleep, whether we were driving or we were at work? So, um, your safety and and our safety <laughs> is all dependent on, on sleep as well. So, when we look at sort of the effects of sleep deprivation on the body, um, I'm going to just run through these really quickly. And I looked at this list. To be honest, at the beginning, I thought, oh my goodness, this is a lot, but um, <laughs> it it really just goes to show how sleep has been designed to really impact so many different areas of our body. So when we look at memory issues um, during sleep, your brain, when you're asleep, your brain is literally forming new pathways and that's when it helps to clean itself out. Um, and so if you don't get the sleep, you can have uh, memory issues, trouble thinking and concentrating, mood changes, Again, we said accidents, weakened immunity, high blood pressure, a risk for diabetes, all those things. So there is a really strong tie, uh, again, to, to sleep and your physical health.
0: You know, what you're making me think of, Emily, is how for a while, and I don't know if this is still true today, but for a while there really was a sort of Romanticizing or glamorizing uh, of people who slept very little—it mm-hmm. was—it's—it's it's a point of pride. It's—it's it's something that um, you say, "Oh, I—I—I I, I never sleep," and—and—and it's—I maybe a reference to your level of productivity or just how you know, quote unquote, strong a person can be. And when I compare that sense to, or that, that that sentiment, I should say, to everything that you just shared with me, it makes me kind of look so differently on those people that were kind of discussed and kind of talked about in the media and uh, in my home I remember about oh that person never sleeps more than like four hours a day and I think wow they were really having a lot of cognitive challenges and their their hormones were actually out of whack that holds it's nothing it, it, you know you kind of think about um, I think sleep is so easy to dismiss as a priority because it is something that we can kind of um, push through in many mm-hmm. times and in mm-hmm. many necessary moments. I don't have to tell you that as a, as a new mom, you know, there are times when you just do that. You, mm-hmm. you get through the um, <laughs> the moment of not having um, a lot of sleep, but it really does have so many um, risks of mm-hmm. uh, if, if, if that's something that you're, you're perpetually doing. It's, no, it's, you're, oh, you're right. Yeah. It's really something Um well, I wanted to talk a little bit as well about, um, you know, kind of, you, I appreciate you setting the stage for what what sort of the implications of sleep is for an individual in terms of their mental, physical, emotional well-being. Um, but I, I kind of wanted to share a little bit about sort of the relationship between sleep and screens. Um, and by screens, I mean your computer, your smartphone, your tablet your whatever and Mm -hmm. how that affects your sleep but also how surroundings your environment affects your sleep so I'll just dive right in if that's okay Um, so Emily do you have an idea of how much time the average American spends um, in front of any screen what would you guess including your work day uh yeah. yeah so think of the average American
1: Oh, a day, my guess would be
0: nine hours. Actually, oh, you're even more pessimistic than I No, so the average American, and again, think of this also includes little ones too. This is this is everybody, not just working adults. Oh, okay. This is everybody. Yeah, this is everybody. Um. Okay. Well, that will lower the average a bit, (laughs) but not by but not by too much. You're not that far off. So we're talking about seven hours a day is spent by the by the average American. And I know averages are, you know, those can be funny numbers sometimes, but. I think that is a relevant jumping off point for to to make an argument around why that is something that we should be cognizant of and why it matters. Mm -hmm. Um, If you're spending seven hours of your day, give or take even a couple of hours doing anything, um, it's going to affect you. And uh, one of the ways it's going to affect you is with respect to your sleep. And so I kind of wanted to share in three overarching ways in which screens affect your sleep. And the first one is um, how it affects melatonin. It specifically uh, suppresses melatonin. Exposure to screens, that blue light emitted by your TV, your smartphone, your whatever, that is something that can um, suppress the the production of melatonin. And I'm I'm pausing because I, I realize maybe not everyone has heard of melatonin. Emily, I know you know what melatonin is, but do you know what the nickname of melatonin is? Wow, you are full
1: of all sorts of questions, <laughs> questions today. Um, I don't know.
0: My best friend at night. <laughs> <laughs> melatonin, is, melatonin is your best friend when you're trying to sleep. And and actually, I'll, I'll share the nickname of melatonin is called the Dracula of hormones. And that's oh. because uh, melatonin is a hormone that is made by your body's pineal gland, and it's released into the blood when the sun goes down. And so because of this release, that sun going down is the whole Dracula thing. Exactly. But because of, of that release, you're, you start to naturally feel less alert, a little bit more drowsy. And so when you are experiencing a suppression of melatonin, which again is caused by that blue light that is emitted, it's just built into how all of our smartphones and laptops and TVs function, That is something that can negatively affect uh, your sleep wake cycle, and it can make it harder to fall and stay asleep. Mm -hmm. So, kind of interesting. Another thing I, that is worth noting is just I, I I think this is probably something people really can relate to if they keep their smartphones by their bed. Um, you know, screens are going to um, they keep your brain alert. You know, if you're scrolling through Facebook or scrolling through your emails at night, these are really disruptive activities. You're continuously engaging the brain over and over again. And Mm -hmm. so whether we are uh, reading something, whether it's funny or exciting or sad, um, it's not the same thing as reading a book. Reading a book can be really helpful um, in most cases, uh, but that consistent exposure to new information over and over again, that tricks your brain into staying awake. It, It believes that... It needs to stay alert, um, and I think that it's important to kind of think of your your brain the same way you think of your body, in that it needs time to unwind. Mm-hmm. There, there's a you know great rules of thumb saying the last hour of your night, you know, please consider how you could change, or not how you can change, but how you could uh, avoid screens for that purpose. Give your your brain time to rest. Yeah. Um, and I, I'll, I know I'm taking up a lot of time, so I'll go through this quickly. But, you know, the other thing is that simply that screens wake you up, <laughs> even if you're you're not on your phone, your phone is still beeping and lighting up and buzzing and these small sort of micro interruptions uh, really can change how much you're sleeping. And if you are not um, really good with that do not disturb button, if you're not actively setting up uh, your phone so that you are not being disrupted, people can lose about an hour to half an hour of sleep without even noticing it they they don't know that they lost in half an hour or an hour sleep because they weren't just staring at the ceiling but they're being consistently disrupted so huh. kind of kind of interesting That's interesting. To I I haven't actually thought about that before
1: but it makes sense how I mean it is really hard to turn your brain off if you think the rest of the world is kind of
0: operating around you yeah Absolutely. And, you know, I will say this actually dovetails perfectly into the, the sort of second thing I want to touch on, which is the environment mm-hmm. uh, that you're sleeping in, because I will say I'm really good about the um, the do not disturb icon. I, I, I keep my phone and all the electronics uh, put away at mm-hmm. night. So I, I feel that that's not disrupting me and stealing that half hour to an hour. However, I am one of those people that lets my little terrier dog sleep at the foot of the bed, <laughs> and and when you think about, and you know how I am about about Django. Um, I mean, he's but, pretty cute, so he's cute, but uh, <laughs> he's wildly disruptive to a yeah. healthy sleep pattern.
1: Yeah,
0: and we're working on it. Um, just so, just <laughs> just for all of you who are listening now. Maybe he like, should listen to this podcast. <laughs> Maybe I should. <laughs> But I I will say, you know, that's kind of it again, it's a perfect segue because it's kind of the same effect. If you, I I wanted to kind of just touch on um, a couple of things that people should consider in terms of their environment. And one of them is do you have an animal of any kind, a, a, a bird, cat? I don't know, iguana. I don't know what your life is like out there, but you know, <laughs> if there's some pet in the bed with you, that is disrupting your sleep. Maybe they're cute. Maybe um, you love your pet. I get it. I do too. But that is a change that you might want to seek out. And and I will say, I mentioned working on it. That is certainly possible, at least with dogs. It's um, my dog still doesn't like it and will still jump up around 4 a.m. But it's it beats 10 p.m., which is when he used to jump right. up on the bed. <laughs> a little bit less disruption, and a couple other things to keep in mind in terms of your environment. And your environment just has so, you know, we talk about your, the environment having so much to do with your health and well-being, just in general. Um, but it really has so much to do with your your sleep patterns and, and successful sleep quality as well. Temperature. Mm-hmm. Keep keep your bedroom, um, if you can, to around 65 degrees Fahrenheit. People tend to sleep warm. And when I, when I I don't say, I don't mean that body temperature wise, I mean, people have socks on, they have, they're, they're dressed usually in longer sleeves. Rethink that. And, Mm -hmm. and if you can uh, bump down that, that sleep temperature, if possible, keeping the environment of mine, of course. But um, if you can open a window, if you can um, bump that temperature down, that will make a big difference. Mm -hmm. Um, Bedding accessories, get rid of those. 47 different throw pillows that you may have. They might look great, but you could spend all night pushing them around and trying to get them away from your head, away from your legs. Um, Just look at what your bed has and and try to keep it as simple as possible. Um, I want to pause really quickly because there is one bedding accessory that affects both temperature and um, is also affecting temperature, and that's something that you've told me about, Emily. Do you want to talk about the Chili Pad for a moment? Uh, do you want to do a plug for them?
1: Uh, sure. I so I've had issues with sleep for so long, and I realized after my son was born that um, I was just running really hot and I couldn't sleep. And so for Christmas, my husband got me this thing called the Chili Pad, and the idea of it is it's you put it underneath your fitted sheet and you can set it at any temperature you want. So I'll usually set it at about 68 degrees. And so all night you stay that same temperature and my husband loves it because it saves on our <laughs> air conditioning <laughs> bill. <Yeah. laughs> Cause I'm not, you know, making the whole house 68 degrees. Um, and that has helped tremendously with sleep. I know some people, the temperature doesn't really bother them. Um, but, for me and I, I didn't really realize how much it bothered me until I got the chili pad um that keeping my body at a consistent 68 degrees was really helpful and I'm one of those people that when it's hot I really struggle just to sleep with a sheet on that to me me, it does not it does not feel cozy it does not feel like I don't know I it just I have a problem sleeping when it's like that so with the chili pad then you can still have a comforter on top of you and have that weight
0: um, so there's a I, little plug for it. <laughs> no, I, well, I, I think that this is a great thing to share with people that, you know, if you are someone who is not able to sleep in a naturally cooler environment, a chili pad is a great way to keep yourself cool and, and, and help your quality of sleep in a mm-hmm. way that, you know, is good for the environment is going to be good for your electric bill. Mm-hmm. and is is again just generally going to help you sleep and you still get to have that I agree with you so much Emily about a uh, a sheet a sh- nope oh. I don't I don't understand how people sleep I... without Sh- i don't just know i feel so to- like vulnerable <laughs> I, I do too right i need the weight of a, yeah. of a blanket <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah. so just to kind of recap uh, get a chili pad if you can and um <laughs> just a couple of, of sort of recap elements and then i'm going to turn it back to you emily around screens and the environment um try to disengage from. Technology, whatever that is, whatever screen is in front of you, about 60 to 90 minutes before your planned bedtime, if possible. It's not always possible. If you, if that seems insane to you or it seems just not fitting your schedule, just try to add a little bit of distance, and then see if you can add a little bit more distance between the time you're on a, on your phone or on a computer and when you're going to bed. Um, make sure that your Do Not Disturb feature on your phone is uh, is on, and you're making the most of it. If you are someone who is using your phone, I, I recommend in, in the evening hours, not even just right before bedtime, if your phone, ha- and I believe all smartphones have this, but if um, you change your settings on the phone to night mode, mm-hmm. that can help reduce the amount of blue light that you're receiving, and that can be less disruptive to your sleep cycle. Yes,
1: that's that's so helpful. And you, you just have to set it one time, and then... Yep it just automatically turns on every night. So it's not anything that you have
0: to think about. Absolutely. And it, yeah, that's a good point about all of these. Pretty much everything that I've shared so far are things that are, um, you know, a, a one and done. Well, I, I guess every, every night you have to make the decision not to uh, be on your phone right before bed. But the do not disturb, the night mode, uh, those are easy, quick, two second things you can do to help improve your quality of sleep. Um, I, in terms of environment, just want to reiterate, if you can keep your bedroom to around 65 degrees, again, that may or may not be possible. But just if you can bump it down a little bit, that's generally better. Um, find another place for Fido or Fluffy or, you know, whatever, whatever animal <laughs> it might be in your bed, it might be disrupting you. And just sort of in general, as much as possible, um, dedicate the space to sleep and sleep alone. I I know people have really different environments that they're sleeping in and, you know, different homes um, have sort of different styles of living. And so I I definitely want to respect and acknowledge that. But it can be really, really helpful um, to remove a TV in your bedroom if you have one. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, think about um, uh, using earplugs if your environment is a little bit louder or a white noise machine or a fan. There are so many things that kind of sneakily disrupt our sleep. So just sort of taking stock of how quiet and serene your environment is and what you can do to make it more. So are the things that I just want to kind of recommend to everybody. So that's, that is screens and surroundings for you and how they relate to sleep, Emily. I love it. It is so
1: true. Your surroundings make such a big difference when you feel excited to go into your room at night and it's, a place where you can truly relax it doesn't have to be you know super intense or anything like that but just having a space where you can go in and and truly relax does make a big difference what does not make a difference in terms of getting eight hours of sleep at night is having a new baby (laughs) so I will chat about what happens when life gets in the way so sometimes we have the best intentions of wanting to sleep um and you know, sometimes that just can't happen, whether it's a new baby or your brain just won't shut down, or maybe you work night shift, so you're sleeping during the day. Um, you know, sleep just looks a little bit different, and so I'm just going to quickly address those three in case any of them apply to you. Uh, Megan mentioned earlier that I had my son um, last October, so he's almost 11 months old, and I think for the first time in my life did I truly experience sleep deprivation and sort of all of the effects that it can have on your mind and your body Um, and learned a lot of things along the way. Um, So some of the tips for if you have a new baby in the house, some things that you can try doing, of course, everybody says sleep and the baby sleeps. And I say this with a grain of salt because I know as a mom how hard this is. Um, especially if you're not typically a napper, or you're not used to sleeping during the day, um, or you see all the things that you need to do around the house, it can be really tough. But even if you can get, you know, 15 or 20 minutes um, of sleep when the baby's sleeping, that can kind of help get you through the next couple of hours. It's interesting how your body starts to react to sleep deprivation. You go into deep sleep a lot faster. So whereas before Um, You may spend quite a while in that light sleep mode. Your body will go straight into deep sleep. So it's actually more restorative, which is great. So the next one is set aside social graces. So if people offer to come help, definitely take them up on it. If you can, you know, have them hold the baby so you can go take a nap. Or, you know, for me, what I had to do personally was ask people to leave by a certain time. I have. Friends who are great and they love to hang out and talk, but for those first couple months, it was just so, so hard to stay awake past like 8.30 PM. So I just had to have a very real honest conversation with my friends and say, I love you and I wanna hang out and we need to wrap this up by 8.30. And of course they understood. I think the biggest help for us was splitting duties. So if you can split duties with, you know, somebody else within your house, if that's an option, so that you can have uninterrupted sleep at least for a certain amount of time and so you can kind of turn your mind off and know that somebody else is sort of on duty for the baby next one or the next tip is give watchful waiting a try so before the age of four months you know this this is a little bit harder because self-soothing isn't really a developmentally they're not developmentally able to self-soothe. But after those four months, you can start to let them fuss for a few minutes, and a lot of times they will just go back to sleep. What I learned is that many babies cry in their sleep, but they're actually asleep, which I had no idea. So one of the things that I learned was when I heard him cry in the night, I wouldn't just pick him up. I would look over for about 30 seconds, and if his eyes were still closed, he was generally still sleeping. So I would just leave him there, and he would go back to sleep, whereas before, I would just pick him up and it actually would end up waking him up, <laughs> which is sort of the opposite of what we wanted to do. And um, the last tip was. To but go he's home. so cute. He is so cute. But, you know, it's <laughs> at three in the morning and you're like so exhausted <laughs> and delusional. You're like, what what is happening? Is Grayson? Is Grayson not as cute at three thirty in the morning? I'm I'm amazed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, yeah. I mean, you just you start to like you're like, OK, what do I what do I do? In the morning, it is helpful if you can get up and expose yourself to natural sunlight. So this isn't only helpful for you, but it's actually helpful for the baby. Babies don't have melatonin until later on in life. And so one of the ways that you can cue them that it's morning time versus nighttime is by getting out in the sunlight early in the morning. So if you can get up by seven or eight and go outside and get Um, some of that sunlight, it will help your body and the baby's body to know when it's nighttime and what time is daytime. Um, So the other thing when life gets in the way is when your brain just won't shut down. This is horrible. (laughs) This is when you are so tired and you go into bed and your thoughts and your worries and everything, it just comes to your head and it's this Frustrating routine, right? Your your mind starts racing, and then you're thinking about how you're not asleep and how you should be asleep, and it just perpetuates the cycle. So some of the things you can do about that is if you notice when you get into bed that your brain isn't shutting down, you can try using meditation. There's an app called Will W H I L. We've mentioned it a few times on this podcast, but they have a whole section on sleep, so that's a great way to start off the night. It kind of puts your mind into that I'm about to go to sleep mode. Like Megan said before, we, so we sort of know the importance of a bedtime routine for our bodies, right? So washing your face, brushing our teeth, but we should do the same thing for our mind. And this can be a great way to prepare our minds for bed by adding exercise into our day that can help us to sleep. And this is just, you, you could do a quick walk and we will say, make sure to not do this super close to your bedtime we'll talk about this later but if you do it you know two hours before bedtime or earlier there's a lot of relationship between exercise and sleep um avoid stressful activities before bed so anything you can do to make that such sacred hour before bed as relaxing as possible Mm -hmm. the best and then if you are in bed and you feel stressed you can try the tense and relax technique so this is when you purposely tense up a muscle and then relax it Um, and you can systematically go from the top of your head down to your toes and you're sort of cueing your body into relaxing your muscles now this next suggestion is for me personally the hardest which is don't lie in bed awake Um, It's recommended that if you can't fall asleep for more than 20 minutes, that you give yourself a do-over. So you get up out of bed and you do something that's relaxing. So maybe you go read a book or you have a cup of tea. Um, You want to make sure you're keeping the lights low. But the whole point is that you don't want to associate the relationship with laying in bed and being awake, because that can kind of cause this negative relationship of, Every time I get in bed, I just lay there and I'm frustrated and I'm going to wake. And so I know it's hard because at the end of your day, you're exhausted. and You don't want to get up out of bed again. But this can really be helpful in terms of resetting that relationship with bed. Um, And then writing out your worries. If you have a to-do list, don't go to bed with it in your head. Try to write it down or whatever you're frustrated or worried about so that, you know, you can be there the next day and it's not like your brain is having to go over it.
0: Can I just say the don't lie in bed awake recommendation, it it is truly just, it feels so weird and is Mm -hmm. so unmotivating to want to get out of your comfy, Mm -hmm. let's say cool bed because you've got a chili pad and, um, go somebody somewhere else. But I have to say when I, um, I make myself do that on the nights that I can't sleep very well and it really does work. It it really You know, I just sort of go somewhere else and um, I think that just removing yourself, uh, not only is there that kind of lack of an associated anxiety um, when you go to bed in the nights that follow, but you're able to sort of... Like you said, start over again. And mm-hmm. I, I've I've I'm not a recommend. I don't recommend sleeping on the couch normally or that kind of stuff. But if you need to go to a different environment because you're just laying there, it mm-hmm. really can do wonders and kind of trick your body into thinking, all right, now it's time to go to sleep. And, it, and yeah. it it listens to you that time.
1: Yeah, we just we actually just got a guest a guest bed, and I've started when I can't sleep. It's so strange, but I'll go from my bed. Which is actually much more comfortable than our guest yep, bed. Yep. And I'll walk right down the hallway, go into our guest room, lay down, and be asleep within like ten minutes. I'm like, why? Like, why? Yep. Why would so why weird. did it make such a difference? <laughs> and it, it's yeah, it's like your brain is saying, Oh, now it's time for bed. <laughs> um, so yeah, even if you, you don't have another bed to go get into, if you just get up and go sit and I bought a an adult coloring book that's just relaxing and you can mm-hmm. i keep my colored pencils out <laughs> on my coffee table and i'll just go out there and do that for a few minutes and listen to music or an audiobook and and that's been really helpful so for the last one was sleeping during the day so if you're working for sort of the non-traditional shift if you can establish a regular bedtime and stick to it That is super important. Um, You'll probably need to communicate with your friends and family so that they know what your needs are around sleep and when they should and shouldn't reach out to you. But if you can still, that's still super important to have a, a bedtime routine when you come home. And so you're not just going from whatever you're doing right into bed, sort of implementing that wind down routine that you normally would and then staying consistent about it. Again, making your environment conducive to sleep. So obviously if you're sleeping um, during the day, it's gonna be a lot lighter. You can try blackout curtains. One of the things I actually use for my son is I found that blackout curtains work really well, but they don't actually block all of the light. And so on Amazon, and I'll I'll link it in the show notes, you can buy, they're essentially blackout curtains that you stick to the window and they use little suction cups. So you can, they will completely block out any light in the room. Yeah. And they're really easy because you can take them up and down as you need to. You can take them with you. If you're traveling, I take ours anytime we're traveling with him. Um, And then I put a blackout curtain on top of that (laughs) uh, because I wanna make sure there's no light in his room because again, when your body sees light, it can suppress your um, melatonin. And so when babies don't have it, you wanna make sure that they're, if you can give them as much melatonin as possible, but the same thing applies to us, right? So if if you're trying to sleep during the day, as dark as you can make your room, the better. And that also being said, if you are driving home in the morning, if you are driving home in the morning, Um, your melatonin will start to decrease in response to light. This is normal. This is what your body's supposed to do, but it's not helpful if you're trying to go to sleep. So if you can wear shades that block out the blue light, there are sunglasses that do this. That can help minimize the loss of melatonin production. And then finally cut back on caffeine. So if you can, you know, just monitor, you know your body best, but if you can, not drink any caffeine within four hours of the end of your shift your your body will have time to metabolize it so it's not affecting you falling asleep
0: that and you know that is all the things that it makes me think of is that those are all the things that when we've talked to people at memorial or not even just memorial but any night shift team that we've worked with throughout sharp like those are the things that they say you just got to come mm-hmm. back on on the caffeine you you have to wear gla- wear sunglasses i don't i don't know if people mentioned the the ones that you're you're referring to specifically but those are fantastic um yeah so it's kind of like it's it's don't take our word for it taking you listen to each other who's yeah. working night shift sometimes they're some of the best mm-hmm. Recommendation. So, I love it. Thanks, Emily. Now, yeah. now personally, I think it was really good that you did that section because when talking about being a new parent, I, <laughs> I, I have tried to write about the relationship between sleep and 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 you know having having a new child. I I do not have little ones at the house and. I always feel like it's a little bit more authentic and a better experience when someone with with that experience is the one speaking to it. So I'm, I'm grateful that you um, were able to kind of share a little bit about what you what you go through. Um, and again, I still didn't I never knew that kids or babies don't have melatonin. It's fascinating. Well, Um, you may not have the relationship to or
1: have the experience of having a, a baby in the house, but you specifically know the relationship between exercise
0: and sleep, right? Now that is a master class example of a segue. So thank well you, done there, Emily. Um, so yes, I do, I do, Emily. Um, so, and that's actually what, what I wanted to talk a little bit about. And, and first I'll just share a, um, I'll try to keep this short you guys, but a, a very personal, not that personal, but a, but a personal anecdote. Um, I come from a family of people who cannot sleep. Nobody in my mm-hmm. house in my family can sleep. My mom can't, dad, brother, sister. And, and it generally happens, starts around um, late teens, early 20s. And for me, it started, I think, around the age of 15, mm. where suddenly I just was not able to sleep. And there's a whole bunch of research talking about teenagers needing more sleep, but having less ability to sleep. It's, it's kind of really interesting. But mm. um, yeah, so I, I remember being maybe 18 or 19 years old and thinking to myself, okay, I'm just never going to have eight hours of sleep in my life. And I'm just going to be a tired person. And that's okay. just going to be how it's going to be. And, you know, a lot of people live with it. My whole family lives with it. Um, but just it, it really was kind of agonizing until I, before I came to that conclusion, because I would just spend hours trying to sleep. And, yeah. and, and, and you know, that was really tough. Um, yeah, I just sort of yeah, I mean, I just sort of gave into this being my life for the next, you know, I mean, I don't know how long I'll live, but let's let's say at least, you know, 60 more years, mm-hmm. um, fingers crossed. But then I just by coincidence found myself roped into a uh, 15K, which is a little over nine miles and a 15K run, I should say. And I started training for this 15K. I was kind of socially <laughs> coerced into it. And um, the amazing thing was, all of the sudden, for the first time in as long as I could remember, I started to be able to fall asleep. My head would hit the pillow, and after, you know, five minutes or so, I'd be drifting off. Wow. And yeah. It, 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 that's, and, a, that's a dream for somebody who struggles to sleep. No pun intended.
1: No pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> it,
0: it, it really is. And so, you know, if, if you are someone who is interested in better sleep and you're not someone who is, um, a, a, you know, a, a terribly active, um, this might be something that is interesting to you because you can really, really make headway on your sleep health by increasing your physical health through exercise and I want to talk about exercise and sleep, um, but also nutrition and sleep, because that really matters too. And one great thing about health and healthy behaviors and healthy practices, just sort of in general, something I love about it is that our, our whole systems, our, our mind, our body, everything, in, everything about us, um, when we are improving in one area the likelihood that we're going to improve at another just by, um, by association, because everything is synced up, uh, increases. So yep. there is such a bi-directional relationship between good sleep and, uh, and exercise. Um, sleeping better means you exercise better and exercising means that you can sleep better. And it's a really wonderful fact. I kind of feel like it's, it's sort of like an ironically lazy way to think about it, but it's sort of like, oh, if I do this one thing, then this other thing will improve. But I, I know that the people who are listening probably aren't solely inspired by my own personal anecdotes. And so I wanted to just sort of outline a couple of things about the way exercise can help you sleep. Um, exercise can actually um, help you have a, a better sort of overall quality of sleep. Physical activity increases uh, the amount of time spent in deep sleep, which is the most physically restorative uh, sleep phase. That deep sleep helps to boost the immune function, supports cardiac health, controls stress and anxiety. And so you can kind of see when you talk about that bidirectional benefit um, if you are res- having good restorative sleep, you're be- it's easier for you to be active. And if you're active, you're better able to have that restorative sleep. Um, people who exercise, and again, we're just talking, you know, 30 minutes or more of, of moderate to vigorous activity, um, if you are doing that kind of activity, you are more likely to have a greater volume of sleep. You're able to stay asleep longer throughout the night or day. If you are, uh, uh, if you work during the night, um, being physically active requires you to expend energy and helps you to feel more tired and ready to rest at the end of the day. Um, regular exercise as a part of the consistent routine also can help boost uh, sleep duration and it helps the, um, the duration but also the quality of sleep so mm-hmm. it's really great in that sense so it's quality and volume um, but it also it's also important to kind of keep in mind too that um, uh, sleep and or I should say exercise is a really, really wonderful example or or way to manage stress and anxiety in a natural way. Um, We, I I think have touched on like, you know, you you talked about your mind not shutting down. Um, What keeps me awake is generally stress or being anxious about something. Um, And it's not a magic bullet. And it's not something that can be considered a replacement for any kind of more serious care if you have real anxiety, but, you know, there's a lot of research that suggests that exercise can be a really good remedy for uh, anxiety and other mood disorders. Uh, in fact, research suggests that just five minutes of exercise can trigger an anti-anxiety response in the system. And so, what that can do, as you are, if you are someone who is generally kept awake by uh, by having anxious thoughts and feeling stressed out. Um, Exercise is one of the ways to manage that stress and help you sleep better overall. And so, you know, here it's it's just good to kind of keep in mind that exercise is, uh, you know, it's not just a uh, something that's good for you physically, something that's going to help you, you know, be strong physically and and reach your goals physically, but it's it's going to help you have a quality night's sleep as well. Um, Mm -hmm. The recommendation is 30 minutes a day. and I have to also just sort of add, before I go into talking about sleep and nutrition, one of the great things is, you know, we talk about quick fixes not existing. I think we all understand that generally quick fixes aren't really a thing.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: we certainly don't advocate for them in, at Sharp Best Health. But the truth is, um, this is exercise might as a sleep aid might be one of the areas where you could almost make an exception. Um, it's a really effective quick acting sleep aid so if yeah. you, you, know, you know if you think about it your body is pretty much immediately responsive to um a, a more exercise more activity mm-hmm. I, I i i have it on good authority that parents um you know are excited when their kids run around a par- park like crazy because they always say oh they'll sleep well tonight <laughs> that is right? true why
1: don't we why don't we say the same thing about ourselves
0: I, I don't know, but it's it's a really good way to think about it. So again, if you're just looking for some inspiration for um, being active in addition to sleeping well, know that these two things are are very uh, very intrinsically related. Um, a couple of foods that I wanted to mention, uh, there are a lot of foods um, that actually can help you uh, get a better night's sleep. We tend to think, think about foods that maybe will keep us up at night, like heavy meals right before bed, um, alcohol, but um, there's foods that you can be kind of focusing on that will be good for you if you're trying to get a, a better sleep health. And one is kiwi, um, mm. ki- which is delicious. Um, <laughs> And uh, it's, it's not exactly know, known why there's an association of kiwi and, and better sleep, but researchers believe that it can relate to the antioxidant properties uh, and the ability to address folate deficiencies. And um, there's also a, a, a theory that it has a high concentration of pr- uh, producing mel- or serotonin, and which can really help you to have a better, um, a better night's sleep. Cool. Um, tart cherries and tart cherry juice... You know yeah.
1: my, my I my grandpa, he's so funny. The other day we were hanging out and he's he's just drinking tart cherry ter- juice. I'm like, what are you doing, grandpa? He's like, oh, it helps me sleep. So <laughs> <laughs> I guess
0: it, it's well, a thing. <laughs> until we were researching this, I had I had no idea. Um, I didn't either. But it, it actually has, I um, think the, the, theory, the theory is that the benefits, uh, and this has been well-researched, but a lot of this is just sort of, here's what we can theorize about the relationship. And the theory about this relationship is the fact that um, tart cherries have been found to have an above average concentration of melatonin, which as we all know, helps to regulate the circadian rhythm and helps to promote uh, healthy sleep at night. So it, it helps with um, produce something that we need, but or stimulate something that we need, but it also, um, uh, has an antioxidant effect, which is really conducive to good sleep. Antioxidants in general, there, there's a theme, um, of suggesting that if you have a high antioxidant, um, rich food diet, you're going to be able to, um, enjoy a little bit better sleep. Cow's milk, cow, cow's milk also contains melatonin and some milk products are actually melatonin enriched. Yes. Oh, <laughs> so no idea. Yeah, it, it, this it, again. If if you people take melatonin tablet supplements, this might yeah. be. You, you hear about people, maybe not as much, but I remember growing up like a, oh, have a warm glass of milk before you go to bed. Um, yeah, which always just
1: seemed like.
0: How is that gonna help? <laughs> it's, honestly, it seemed gross to me. The last thing I want yeah. to before I go to bed. So these are recommendations. These are not. These are for <laughs> everyone to make individual, unique choices on. I would probably avoid this one, but if you love milk, um, this is something that might be helpful. Yeah. Um, and fatty fish. Again, you huh. you wouldn't want to have this right before bed, but there's. Um, an association of, of fatty fish um, and the vitamin D that it has, the omega-3 fatty acids that are available that are in it, um, and those are, are 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 components in fish and fatty fish that are also um, a part of the body's regulation of serotonin. And there are some studies that talks um, that reviewed uh, fish consumption and sleep, and there seem to be a pretty strong correlation. Um, oh. Nuts, uh, you know, you think about like good fats, like certain fatty fishes. Um, Nuts, good fats, they are also considered to be often good for sleep. The exact uh, um, amounts can vary, but some nuts do contain melatonin as well. They also carry essential minerals like magnesium 10, zinc 11. There are and, and those are essential to how the body engages in a number of processes, but in particular melatonin uh, production and uh, overall sleep health. So I, I think it's also just worth noting that there are a couple of things to avoid when it comes to foods. And I, I referenced this at the, at the top of, of my little spiel about, about nutrition and sleep, but um, alcohol, I think we all know. Um, alcohol will be disruptive to your sleep. And I won't go into all the details as to how and why, but it can... pretty much anyone who's had a you know an extra glass of wine at night um, can probably attest to this as the alcohol wears off um, as you fall asleep, as you're sleeping uh, people wake and they generally wake during the, the most important deep and restorative stages of sleep as well um, yeah. alcohol use can worsen sleep apnea and it can actually increase the likelihood of sleep walking sleep talking and memory problems as well huh. um, no, Interesting, it always seems right? to help
1: you fall asleep, but then come at, you know, 2 or 3 a.m., you're wide
0: awake. Yes, exactly, exactly. I mean, everyone's heard that story of, you know, people mm-hmm. fall asleep, and, you know, they had too much. They just sort of fell asleep, and then they're up at 2 a.m., 3 a.m., and the situation has, cha- has changed. Yeah. <laughs> really quickly, just three other things I wanted to mention. Um, spicy foods. Maybe if we were all 18, 19, our bodies could process that spicy food. But um, at generally, when you, once you become um, an adult and you are, you know, well into your late 20s and beyond, um, heartburn becomes a factor. Really want to recommend that people kind of. Um, uh, Carefully time when they're going to consume their spicy foods. Same thing in terms of saturated fats and high protein foods. Protein is great. Um, Sharp Best Health is a pro protein department. But it can really take a lot for your body to break down protein. Mm-hmm. And so it can become disruptive to your sleep because your body is trying to fall into sleep to have a restorative experience. But it is working overtime um, at the time of, of that sleep in order to help your body digest and break down uh, protein because it's so difficult to break down, which is why it keeps you full for so long, of course. Yeah, um, And I guess as a bonus, um, I don't want to say too much about it because you talked about it too, but caffeine, um, I love caffeine. Uh, so much, but it is really important to um, be mindful of what it does to your body, how much it affects your sleep and what time you are um, consuming it for the purposes of of being sure that it's not disrupting your sleep and keeping you awake. So that in a very large nutshell is the relationship between exercise and sleep and nutrition and sleep. What do you think about all that, Emily?
1: Well, I think I was planning out my dinner for tonight, so I'm going to have fish topped with nuts and a sprinkle of cherries and then for dessert I'll have kiwi and a glass of milk
0: (laughs) (laughs) and I think I think I'll be good right (laughs) Yeah, I, I think you will. Um, just, you know, be sure not to throw on any red pepper flakes or have any any um, cappuccino afterwards. And I think okay. you're, I think you're really setting yourself up for a, a fantastic, fantastic meal.
1: Perfect. Um, we'll try them all you,
0: and I'll report back. Perfect. I love it. And if you if you make that milk chocolate milk, though, I do want to just remind you that that chocolate does have some caffeine in it. So just just walk that line carefully my house, man. I know. All right.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I know we went through a lot of information really, really quickly. I hope so. Discussions. (laughs) Well, I think. Megan and I could go on forever yes, okay. talking about sleep. So, yes. consider yourselves lucky that we only went 45 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Because for us, that was impressive. We kept it brief. <laughs> yeah, that was that was the brief version. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but you know, we wanted to include all these things because you know they're considered good practices, best practices because they work. So, yes. um, the, and there's there were so many different things that we mentioned. The the key here is trying to figure out what works for you, right? Because you're going to have to sort of come up with your own individual formula for what helps you go to sleep. And so it's sort of this experiment of trying things and seeing if you notice a difference. It can be helpful when you're doing this to sort of keep track of what you're doing just so that you know um, what's helping you, what's not. For me personally, I have found that avoiding caffeine or coffee after 2 p.m. And then having a consistent bedtime routine, using the chili pad, and using a white noise machine, the four of those helped me tremendously. But to get there, I had to go through a lot of different trial and errors of all these different things to see which ones made an impact. And you know, it's something that you tweak over time to time. But I don't know, Megan, did you have any of the tips that we went through today that you've noticed besides exercise that have really made a big impact for well, you? Well, I
0: think yeah you know I, I think the exercise is is the biggest one and it's it's just it makes me so happy when you do one activity and it benefits another yeah. but um, I, I think that the things that kind of speak out or that are have been the most beneficial to me is being um, being mindful of where my pet is again that's that's a work in progress but it, it really does matter and having a different, I would, I would offer maybe healthier relationship to my technology. Mm-hmm. Um, really, uh, tr- trying to, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not consistent about it. I, I certainly am scrolling or watching something that, you know, hour before bed, but trying to be better about it and, um, you know, create some space and time between when I am, um, going to bed and, uh, when I'm in front of a screen really does make a huge difference yeah uh, definitely. So I, I, I highly recommend it for sure yeah
1: and yeah. so that's what we would recommend for all of you listening whether it's something that we mentioned or something that you know personally works well for you just start trying them out if you don't know what to do in terms of improving your sleep some practical tips we have and we'll put these in Everything I'm going to mention right now we'll put in the show notes so you can go and access it. But we have a sleep savvy quiz. You can test your knowledge on healthy sleep practices, which you now will all ace. After Everyone listening gets an A. <laughs> to, our, uh, to our podcast. And then you can, like I mentioned, you might want to start tracking some of your sleep habits. So we'll include a tracker in the show notes. You can begin your mindfulness routine using Will's Sleep Mindfulness Series. And then we do have a sleep soundings or sleep surroundings checklist. So you can go in, maybe do an assessment of your room to see if you are setting yourself up for sleep success. And um, you can aim for 30 minutes of activity at least three times a week. And then increase your consumption of sleep boosting foods and decrease foods that negatively affect sleep. So it's just some hopefully quick tips that you can start implementing right away. Yeah, those are great tips. In terms of additional resources, we do have a challenge coming up. The sleep well, be well challenge. It starts on September 7th and it goes through October 5th and it's four weeks. And over those four weeks, you will sort of we we you guys kind of got a snapshot of what the program is but you'll kind of deep dive into each of these areas a little bit more um so we'll include the registration link in the show notes we will also have a discussion between a discussion group called here for each other that will be on september 23rd and we'll be talking about sleep and what you all have done to improve your sleep so here for each other if you've never been is a space for SHARP employees to come together and we just discuss topics. So this particular topic will be all about sleep. So you can join and come here from your colleagues and your peers, what they have done to help improve their sleep. Of course we have Will, which is our mindfulness mm-hmm. app that has a sleep section. Um, we also have access to EAP, our employee assistance program. So if you are finding that Um, You are struggling with some of those thoughts um, of worry and anxiety, and you want to be able to talk to somebody about that. Our EAP is a really great resource. Um, We have free confidential sessions with them. And then finally, if you are noticing that sleep is more of a chronic issue for you or you um, have tried some of these things, then they aren't working. Make sure to bring it up with your doctor um, and they can take it from there. Otherwise, we'll put again. Please check out the show notes. We'll put everything there since um, we do recognize we went through a lot today, so
0: you can go back <laughs> and
1: check on there. And
0: besides that, Megan, do you have anything else? I don't think I could possibly share anything else about sleep at the moment. No, I think we're good, Emily. I think um, I think we're we're good. We're good until next time. But thank you for having this conversation with me. Um, I'm sure everyone can tell you and I have a lot of fun together. So it was great to have this conversation about sleep with you. And thanks to everybody for listening.
1: Thank you so much. And um, we
0: will see you next time. Bye. Bye. Stay healthy. Download this episode and find more great information on health and wellness by visiting Sharp Best Health on sharpnet.com.